Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of The Queer Quadrant, a podcast where we, two bisexual filmmakers, examine cinema in all its cultural contexts and explore why your favorite four-quadrant blockbuster is maybe not as straight as you think it is. The late, great Roger Ebert has a quote about this movie in his review that I think is very pertinent uh, to conversation today, and it starts, uh, quote, there is hardly a thing I can say in its favor, except that I was cheering. Uh, I cheered by nearly every minute of it. I cannot argue for the script, the direction, the acting, or even the mummy, but I can say that I was not bored and sometimes I was unreasonably pleased. Uh, so while that might not be the most glowing review of all time, I do think that there's a point in there. Uh, where he says that I cheered by nearly every minute of it. And I think that's how I would describe this movie since it's probably our finest action adventure blockbuster of all time. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's such like an Ebert quote. I love it. Where he'll be like, I don't know if I can say this movie was good, but I had but, like, a great had time, a fun time. And that's what's important. Right. And I feel like that is exactly what you want to get out of this movie. Yes. And that is why we wanted to have someone on today that cares a lot about this movie yes. and how much fun it is. Andrew, you have always been a champion of this movie. I feel like you are my number one touchstone for knowing about this movie. Uh, Thank you. Um, That is honestly the the highest compliment I've ever received. (laughs) Uh, It's wild. You know, know, just case in point, The Mummy was just on uh, HBO Max uh, for the first time, the stream available um, last night. Um, Right. Yeah. And the, just the amount of people who, I guess, kind of tweeted at us to let us know, like, hey, nudge, nudge, guess what we're watching tonight was, like, just vindication in, in my little heart to know that. That's so tender. We're, yeah, we're, we, we're, it felt great. It was so nice, and it, it was just cool to see that, like, this movie that we feel so, that I personally feel so strongly for, um, you know, that I champion left and right, I mean... It, it doesn't need me to champion it, really. I mean, it made I a ton of money. It it's super I popular. Think it does. <laughs> I, I so I'll I'll take I'll take you know marginal credit. You know I'll, I'll take a I'll take just a little bit of the limelight uh, just to know that we've talked about it endlessly <laughs> in our existence. <laughs> uh, that you know it's kind of been uh, um, associated with with us and, and the brand. So yes, I'm 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 excited to be here. I'm excited to talk about the mummy. Um, my favorite thing to talk about, and uh, it's nice to. Not to have to bore my wife with any more mummy facts. <laughs> <laughs> you can bore us instead, except we won't Perfect. be bored because I think this movie is it, actually fascinating. It's incredible. I don't mean it's a vehicle for probably, as I've told Brooke and tweeted about many times before, my favorite leading man, Brendan Fraser. So One of the best to ever do it. Oh my God, yeah. And another reason why we're happy to have a, a Fraser stand right. here. So we yeah. can give this movie like I'm the proper alone. respect and love. Um, oh, absolutely. That it absolutely. deserves. Yeah. Um, hello, everybody. Um, I am Brooke Solomon. Jordan Gustafson. And joining us today is Andrew Ortiz of Super Yaki, our personal favorite online movie shop. Um, we're delighted to have you here. And um, as not just, you know, a collaborator of the show occasionally, but like <laughs> we're really big fans of you and of the shop and everything that you guys do. Um, so. It's great and lovely to have you. Yes, I'm very excited. Thank we you. Guys. I, I'm I'm super excited to be here. I, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, I will never decline any opportunity to talk about the mummy. Uh, and Perfect. when it comes to talking about the mummy with people that I, I'm fans of, you know, I 
I said yes in a heartbeat. And when you guys presented me with a list of possible movies to talk about, and I saw this was on there, I just knew that that was it. That it was, was it. the one? Mm-hmm. It was the one. It had to be. There's nothing else. This what? is our uh, our Valentine's Day weekend drop. This episode comes out. If you're listening to it, it is uh, Friday, February 12th. Um, and so this is like... I mean, I don't know a better movie for Valentine's Day. We're putting no, all every, it's, everyone's, our Valentine's Everyone Day should be kissing yes. in the movie <laughs> mm-hmm. and watching the movie. You yeah. know what I mean? We're, we've decided to dedicate our love this year to right. Frasier and Vice. Yes, yeah, that's true. Everybody, yeah. I'd be hard pressed to name a more romantic movie. Oh, no. uh, there's none out there. No, impossible. No. <laughs> it's the perfect romantic horror comedy action drama of all time. Perfect, um, perfect for Valentine's Day. So, like, obviously, you have a relationship with this movie. What do you like? Remember the first time you saw it, or do you have like what sort of drew you to the Mummy in the beginning? <laughs> yeah, so it's funny you say that because I was actually just looking up. Um, just the releases before and after the mummy, you know, came out in you know May of '99, uh, and um, and I I distinctively remember watching the mummy in theaters. Um, we went to Tinseltown, uh, that was just about ten minutes away from our house, and it was just kind of the go-to point for our family every weekend. So we grew up going to the movie theaters, you know, as as often as we could. But I remember. Um, I remember just the excitement that my mom had to see Brendan Fraser. Uh, That's amazing. Yeah, she's always been a huge fan. Uh, I mean, I remember she would just drag us to anything he was in, right? Whether or not it was age appropriate at the time or not. So (laughs) it was kind of like we always had Brendan Fraser around. Uh, And for me, like, uh, I remember watching Georgia the Jungle um, as a kid. Yeah, another masterpiece. Um, and 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 thinking like this guy's hilarious. This guy's funny. Like I like I like what he's doing because in a way it felt like he's just a big kid, right? Oh my this god, is, yeah. This is exactly what I uh, imagined. You know, adult life would be like. You know, you're, you're just a a bigger version of what you are at that moment, right? So yeah, I do remember watching this movie in theaters. Unfortunately, it was kind of overshadowed by a release that came out the the following weekend, which was Phantom Menace, or two weekends after that. Uh, and that was, I guess, at that point, you know, the pinnacle of like my young existence. You oh, know? God, yeah. Um, yes. But it's 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 not like I, I completely forgot about the mom because I had so much fun watching it. Uh, and, you know, as it was released, you know, on VHS and DVD later on, um, that was definitely a movie that my mom bought and we had. And so we would just watch constantly and it felt like it was always on TNT. And so it's just one of those movies that just kind of followed me throughout life and any opportunity I had to just, you know, enjoy it, whether it was just the last 20 minutes or just a couple snippets before I had to go to class or something. Um, it was just a constant. And, and, and I just always enjoyed just every moment of that movie. Mm. And over yeah. time, it just got bigger and bigger in my head. And, and uh, here we are now. I'm on a podcast to talk about nothing but the mummy. And so that's exactly. a testament to its power. You were saying how it's sort of like grown and gotten bigger. I feel like I have like a super similar relationship with it because i was like a little younger when it originally came out but like as a star wars kid growing up i remember the phantom menace coming out i remember like buying my obi-wan's like lightsaber and everything and like my focus was so just on that movie but has like time has changed my relationship with the mummy has become way more like intimate and important in my life weirdly than like the phantom menace was even though like i'm a diehard prequels fan but it's like 
the mummy i feel like has aged so well in like our current like viewing habits and how we sort of like take in movies because it's sort of something that we're like yearning for where it has practical effects and it has like a he's brendan fraser sort of like the prototype mcu sort of errol flynn of his time where he's like doesn't take himself seriously but you can believe that he's serious so he's just like there's an earnestness to him that I yes. think is so charming and I, like I want mm-hmm. that back in a leading man. I miss this kind of leading specifically male performance because mm-hmm. it's he's not really good at anything like he's <laughs> right. He's, he's a mess. He's competent yeah. but it's not even like he's all brawn no brains like he's not particularly good at fighting. Right. Um, jumping. I mean, hey that sword sequence. Yeah. Well. I mean, pivotal. I mean, jumping all over the movie. But at the end, when he's about to, like, let, you know, Rachel Weisz out of her chains and just gets, like, ankle yanked by a mummy, I thought was so great because that would never happen. Right, it's kind of slapsticky. Yeah, I just, I love, I love how he just has absolutely no plan and no thoughts at any given time. And yet, there's no one else that you would rather be watching. Right. Not just in terms of, like, Brendan Fraser as an actor, but, like, the character of Rick O'Connell. You're like, I don't care about anybody else. I don't want to watch the Americans. I don't want to watch some, like, stuffy scientist take care of it. Like, I want this man who has absolutely no idea what he's doing. He has and the no map plan. up here. He's, so that's all that matters. It's all up here. I just, yeah. he's great. I, I, I would, I mean, I would even say that he's the best Indiana Jones outside of Indiana yes. Jones, right? Yes, As, exactly. That, that kind of, yeah, that, that kind of figure where he's so confident and he's so, uh, um, um, I, I don't want to say cocky necessarily, but he's just, he just believes in, in his own abilities so much, even though that they're not very abundant in in, in yeah. skill or anything he's just like just through sheer you know determination he's able to you know accomplish this goal but he's just like you say he's just a he's just, just a big goofy guy who is definitely more often than not just like out of his element and i think uh yes. the relatability there is um i mean as someone who is obviously out of their element very often i mean i i've always you know, oh, same uh, i've <laughs> always resonated word. with them you know like and i've always enjoyed you know watching watching these movies because i know how uh vulnerable uh he is but there's that uh that veneer of, of yeah i know what i'm doing kind of mm. professionalism but uh, one thing i would note is that I, I was reading this or not reading i was watching this interview um during the original mummy press junket and and someone asked him um how this was um, similar and dissimilar to you know the original uh, Universal Mummy movies, right? And and he went off on on how like it was bigger, you know, it was louder, you know. I mean, all the obvious staples that make this movie you know substantially different than the original Mummy. But the thing that that really caught me was that he said, and in this one too, um, my character, the lead, you know, he's scared and he mm. isn't confident all the time, and he's running away, you know. For the vast majority of the time, right? He's kind of yeah. avoiding confrontation. Uh, and that was, I think, something that Brendan Fraser did so well, which was to to kind of uh, showcase that that vulnerability and that that mm-hmm. um, that ability to say, like, I don't know what I'm doing in this moment right now. So mm-hmm. he's like scared a <laughs> yeah. little bit, which is like works. And it was yeah. so funny that out of time thing that you said where he sort of feels like he's like lost a little. It's so because like I feel like a lot of his movies, that's sort of his persona is like blast from the past, Dudley mm-hmm. Do-Right. I mean, George of the Jungle when he goes into the city. You know what I mean? Like a lot of his characters and sort of. Cino Man. Right. They have yeah, a exactly. very similar arc to them. And it's sort of like the charm of him. It's where that's how you can latch on, as you're saying, like, especially as a kid or even now. 
like I feel like equated to him because it's like, oh, he's a little lost. I'm always a little lost, but like I can relate. He's not too aspirational. No. I feel like specifically yeah. the character of Rick O'Connell is the perfect sort of middleman on the sliding scale between Indiana Jones and like Benjamin Gates from National Treasure, <laughs> where he doesn't know what he's doing, but he's also like not so cool that you believe that he'll pull it off every time. He's not yeah. quite an intellectual. He's not quite like too cool for school he's he's kind of like a nice humanist blend in the middle of them um and i just miss the action adventure you know yeah yeah Yeah. i i just i i miss these kinds of movies i feel like um andrew you talked about the mummy previously on one of our friends podcasts secondhand film critics Mm -hmm. and um you talked about how this trilogy has kind of been usurped by like superhero blockbusters that have sucked up all the air in the room when it comes to these kind of like big tentpole actioners. And I just miss like the dedication that something like the mummy has to shooting an entire film in the desert and in and around tombs and stuff like that. Right. And to, I mean, building the sets and everything, you know, that went along with this. And I mean, like Brendan almost got hurt during the hanging sequence. (laughs) Not surprised. I was watching that and I was like, this does not look safe in any way, (laughs) shape or form. It's like, I love, fake like those hanging sequences gone botched like they have it in pirates of the caribbean yes again like which feels like pirates of the caribbean the first one feels very much of like the same blood as this does and oh, I mean, totally like, yeah 1999 2003 so like very much in the same zone but you were saying with the life getting washed out of it though like even with the mummy franchise you go to 2017 and it's like all of the joy and fun has been like washed away for this very gritty, serious, like dark universe. Yeah. And the idea that like it immediately has to build upon something like Mm -hmm. 20 years in the future, instead of just being like, well, let's look at this movie and see if it's a hit. And if it is, then maybe we can look at expanding it. Right. Um, It's like this too big, too fast thing. And yeah, I just, I, like I said, I miss the dedication to being like, no, it's going to be two hours in sand, like, and sun and practical effects. And there's nothing you can do about it. I feel like anything that we get now in the last, last five to ten years that's kind of in that zone is just absolutely horrible like gods of egypt or um whatever that other one was with christian bale oh i was gonna say uh exodus gods exodus gods and Mm -hmm. kings or prince of persia or prince of persia any of them yeah all of them are just very not good and i miss i miss the joy in the camp i mean it's you like the horror of this too where it sort of then lends itself i mean like Obviously, like going into this movie, that you they were trying to sort of like revitalize franchises after the uh, failing of Babe Pig in the City, <laughs> which I think is hilarious. Wait, really? Yes, the studio. Well, Babe very much underperformed, and so then the studio execs were like, "We need to sort of revitalize like our franchises." Oh my god! I feel yeah, like they it, keep. It's, oh, sorry. It's, go for it's it. Just, I was gonna say it's it's crazy to even say that sentence now that like the studio's success hinged on the sequel to Babe, a movie about a, a talking pig, which is a sweet and, and 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 you know incredible movie. But I can't imagine that <laughs> that being the case nowadays. You know? Oh my god, no. But even yeah, I mean, like you were saying, Jordan, uh, like the studio really needed a big hit, and this like mummy, this incarnation of the mummy went through so many different stages before it became what it is. Um, or what what it eventually became, right? Uh, yeah. It could have been like a, a more grounded, like horror movie, something a little bit you know grosser, straight to home video kind of thing. And um, no, I think just through 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 circumstance and through like the perfect set of situations, we ended up with with this movie, right? I think uh, 
it's one of those instances where like everything led to this moment, right? And mm-hmm. if anything had gone differently along the way, we wouldn't have, you know, had this movie, right? Because it really right. was just like, you know, a, a few, you know, green lights away from, you know, a $35 million movie being shot in Arizona, right? Right. And yes. Instead, we get this like huge, you know, grand epic, you know, filmed in, in, um, in Morocco film, right. you know, in the desert. And, and it just captures this like, you know, 1920s, you know, adventure element. And it has like very um, of the time humor uh, to it as well. And it's just like a perfect culmination of, of just everything going right to lead to that, you know? I mean, there was that Joe Dante, Daniel Day-Lewis, like brooding <laughs> sad mummy that they were trying to pitch, which right. like, I mean, love Joe Dante's films, like wild filmography, but the thought of like a Daniel day Lewis brooding mummy is insane. I, I I would I would man I'd love to see that. I mean, Daniel oh, Day Lewis yeah. and Joe Dante together in anything. I, I right. just I'm, I'm picturing just uh, Joe Dante trying to send him a copy of Gremlins two and saying, "This is yes. the Hedekar going for you." <laughs> right, so. right, right. He's like small soldiers, but with a mummy. Yeah, <laughs> and Daniel Day Lewis. Right, right. In the middle of it all. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, then you think about like the impact that this film has had. As we like, we're. I feel like we'll get into like culturally and personally and stuff like that, but even just a commercial and universal scale, like the mummy at the theme parks, as I feel like for me, who's a big theme park nerd, her, not so much. Um, yeah. I have never ridden this ride. I saw this movie for the first time 48 hours ago. Um, the first okay, time so I saw you're, the, you're, yeah. You're, you're, so you're new to the, to she's the, new to the mummy. I'm a the newbie. Mummy hive. I mean, the first time I saw The Phantom Menace, I think I was like 15, and then I so didn't wild. remember anything from it. But yeah, I mean, but I... the ride, though, Brooke. Okay, yeah. You know what? Go ahead. Talk I about mean, the ride. I mean, I, yeah, the, I, I'd love to. The one in California is... I, have you done... Which one are you familiar with? Or So I, I, I've been on the outside of both. I've never been on the ride because uh, I am terrified of uh, roller coasters and heights. <laughs> and so, but I, I love the atmosphere of, of theme parks and, and mm. especially, you know, when they go all out with trying to capture the aesthetic of the movie. And yes, even, even the gift shop at the, at it's the, a good gift shop. Yeah. It, even the gift shop at, at the, the mommy, the ride um, at, uh, at Universal Studios uh, Orlando. I mean, my my wife gets on the rides. I hold her purse and I just wait in the gift shop or the arcade next door. Uh, but I just like love walking around and they have the the epic like Jerry Goldsmith like score mm-hmm. playing, you know, on the speakers. And it feels like, granted, there's no gift shop in the movie, but you for like a split second, your brain does convince you that you're part of like a larger you know world. You feel like uh, you're in it. Mm-hmm, yeah, and but but definitely, I've watched all the 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 ride through videos and and you know the point of view. Uh, <laughs> oh yeah, a perspective from it and. Um, I'm a big fan of of uh, anything mummy related, you know, still lingering around, you know, in 2021. It's incredible. I mean, it. The fact that they still have like Brendan Fraser on a ride in Florida is so right. fun and that it's like such an immersive ride. They're pitching you to join like this mummy universe and it's they built like it feels like you're going into a library and just everything about it is just so immersive. And the fact that like that carries on, as you were saying, it's like the movie is like that. The rides are like that and everything just feels so contained in a part of the universe it's just overwhelming is there a mummy ride at universal there studios is. hollywood yes well, just i've never not been as good. on it oh okay because well, we went on the indiana fine. jones one in disney no at universal- that's the mummy oh my god <laughs> oh no <laughs> well it wasn't Bruh. very good because i clearly didn't even the indiana know that jones it was ride in disney ride. is incredible uh, yeah it was pretty crazy oh it, yes that was great yes 
Okay. It's all coming back to me now, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's okay. This is where <laughs> we're clearly seeing the divide between the two of us where one of us is a theme park obsessive. But Anyways. I will just say, I didn't, I didn't have any nostalgia working like, uh, towards my appreciation of this movie. When I watched it, I was actually <laughs> like, wow, I can't wait to see this thing that everyone has been vibing mm. so hard about. And it, I, I was nothing but delight. Well, I feel like that's the thing is, I mean, our friendship was, I, I mean, not going to say I push, but I definitely push like the Brendan Fraser, the mummy is a masterpiece agenda on yes, you a lot. It's cr- that's and correct. So, <laughs> and the fact that it did hold up, I think says something. Cause I feel like you could have watched this and been like, Jordan, this is not good. No, yeah, well, this is silly or this right. is, I, you know, out of touch or out of day. I mean, I'm, I'm, I've always been curious cause I, I, I've clearly had, you know, very strong feelings for this movie for a long time that I've just like, you know, cling to for years. So I know that my nostalgia lens you know, definitely obscures whatever uh, impartial opinion I could have on the movie nowadays if I hadn't, you know, seen it before and carried on these memories with me. And it's it's so like, you know, it's it's a breath of fresh air to hear that someone's watching it now and enjoys it and sees it for the same, um, I guess, uh, fun and lighthearted entertainment that, that I took it for. Um, and it just goes to show like how much it just transcends, you know, uh, any given, you know, time period. But at the same time, and I don't mean to like just completely, you know, diverge, you know, talking no, to not you, at but all. D- that's all we do. <laughs> but I think, uh, um, you know, if you go down like the, the line of, of the subsequent like mummy movies, you know, um, the third mummy, which, you know, believe it or not, I, I will still, you know, ride hard for. I, same. I, I enjoy yes. it. I, I, I think. What's that, your ranking? Sorry. Well, it's it's definitely one, two, three. Uh, okay. You yeah. Know, and, and it's not like it really depreciated in value. It's just kind of times changed. And there's a lot of elements that affected um, that third mommy. Because otherwise, we could have seen more in this series. But I've right. talked about it before, and I'll mention it again. But I think um, two of the big things that really changed the landscape for, for audiences at that point was, one, I mean, was 9-11, um, which really changed what we wanted to see in an action movie, in an adventure yep. movie. And two was the release of, uh, of Dark Knight, which uh, um, happened pretty um, close, if I'm not remembering or misremembering correctly. It's um, like it's three weeks before Mummy. Before the third Mummy, yeah. exactly. Out, yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, I, I think if you look at those two movies side by side, part of me still feels like it's crazy that they came out in the same year, let alone like mm-hmm. within that short of a time frame. But they're just two completely different contrasting styles in adventure and action movie making that one sort of signaled uh, this is kind of like the end of what we want in movies and the other one was like okay this gritty realistic you know take on vengeance um, is what we want to see going forward in in, uh, in in movies and I think what's happening now is we're cycling to this point where now we want the other aspect now yep. we want the fun lighthearted adventure because I mean who doesn't need an escape from this reality right right it's Real swinging office. back. It's like, exactly. it's like we said, like the birds of prey thing. It's like birds of prey very much feels like a late '90s sort of comedy, not comedy, but like it has the trappings of sort of a mummy and you know that sort of superhero movie versus mm-hmm. like the Dark Knight, which I yes. love, where it starts to feel like we are wanting this like wholesome sort of fun movie again. 
and right. I feel like the defining factor is like I think Birds of Prey is a great example is bringing back camp into these yeah. kinds of big mm-hmm. blockbuster movies because yeah they're ridiculous like it's like Looney Tunes you know we talked it's, about it's how absurd comic books are and how crazy stuff like this should be and not take itself too seriously and I even feel like you look at late stage Marvel when they're not afraid to experiment a little more there's still zero elements of camp there's not at most like they're a little quippy and self-referential there's none of the like pure unbridled joy that you see in something like the mummy right where it refuses to take itself seriously but by refusing to do that it all adds to like this very good vibe that is like impossible to break because I don't know like it you can't take yourself too seriously as this type of movie but you also can't make a whole in joke to the audience about not taking yourself too seriously or it all crumbles like you have to commit right no no I think that's everyone is if we're committing to bits I would say this movie is very committed to a bit oh completely and then you buy into every single element that they bring up in this world you know in the final act when uh Imhotep like I guess like has his deep like the soul sucked out of him where he becomes mortal there's like a carriage ghost that all of a sudden gets introduced and you're just like awesome (laughs) mummies ghosts action like you're immediately on board like you're not questioning sort of anything that's going on which rules like i want that to happen like i want more ghost carriages coming from anywhere you know what i mean yeah like that's amazing oh it's all so much fun it really i again just another testament to like just the craft that went into this right everyone just kind of bought in and it feels like they're all on the same you know, level of agreement. Like, this is the kind of movie we're trying to make. Let's see if we can we can actually pull it off, right? And I know yeah. the times were different then too. And, and a lot of what I enjoy about the Mummy is that, yeah, it does remind me of, you know, growing up and going to see these big movies and big theaters. Um, you know, big popcorn. Everything about it was big, big, big. Um, but I think um, for me, I, another reason why I, I carry this movie with me, you know, so close to my heart nowadays is that. I think in in a lot of you know um, you know I guess in our in our journey through film uh, as as we develop into you know uh, certified film buffs you know we go through certain yes. periods where we kind of um, and and I don't want to say this happens to everyone but at least it happened for me where you kind of you know uh, neglect some of these you know big popcorn movies and you try and dive into the more serious fair art house stuff, absolutely you know? yeah. And you sort of my entire college career. (laughs) Yeah, and I think that happens a lot of us. And and I I think for for some some people, I know for me, it took me a long time to just really embrace the fact that like, listen, like this is a big, dumb, goofy movie, and I love it, right? Like just because it it, it isn't you know winning any Oscars or or any Independent Spirit Awards or any you know uh, you know real recognition from I guess uh, you know the larger film community, right? that doesn't necessarily take away from its effectiveness as you yes. know, a big blockbuster. And I think, you know, that's why it's so, you know, close to me is that it's one of those movies that consistently I always watched, you know, since I was little to where I am now. And even though there was a period in my life where I sort of maybe kept that a guarded secret because I didn't want my fellow, you know, movie friends to kind of, you know, drive me for it. Yeah. Um, it just was consistently there. And I reached a point where I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. I love the movie. I love yeah. the movie. It's a perfect movie. I could watch this all the time. You know, I love, you know, art house cinema and I love, you know, more series fair as well. But this is just one of those movies that works at that element um, for what it is. So I don't know yes. if that makes any sense. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. 
Totally. Enjoyment of a film is just as important as like critical acclaim. And I think it should be, you know, looked at with that same kind of respect. Like if a large group of people or even just one person enjoyed the hell out of a movie, like that is a win for the movie. I feel like that is the whole philosophy, Andrew, that you have with like the super yaki shop and everything like that is like these are movies and events and sort of pop culture references that we enjoy. They don't have to be like the greatest critical success ever, but like it, it's, it's about how like collectively we feel in a positive way and that that's like at the end of the day that's all you want from movies well it's, yeah it's like that's sort enough of, i feel like with movies like intentionality is important like what is the movie going for like this movie's not going to try to win an oscar but mm-hmm. it's trying to like make a fun experience at the movie theaters and by doing that it like exceeds it's what it's trying to do and like for that's why for me it's like a five-star movie because it's like it's setting out to do this one thing. It does it perfectly. You're getting everything that you want out of this movie. You know, you're not like, it's not trying to subvert your expectations of like what an action movie is or anything like that, but it's trying to give you just a good experience. And like, and that's it totally the point of movies. delivers. Right. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, sometimes, sometimes, sometimes you want to go to a really fancy restaurant. Other times you're just really craving, you know, totally three quarter pounders with cheese, you know, and a large Coke and, and, when it hits the spot, like it's just, it's perfect. You know, that's exactly what you wanted from it. Oh yeah. my God. At the end yeah. of the day, what matters is that you enjoyed it. And yes. I think, I think it's, this movie has like a lot of bonuses in that clearly there was a lot of people working both like in front of the camera and behind the scenes that really put a lot of passion and intentionality into this film. I mean, Jordan, you were saying off mic that this has a super interesting like pre-production and production well, I mean, process. Yeah, we kind of dove into it, but it's like every, like just the going into it. I mean, summers in general, we could, do a whole hour on because it's just filmography is just insane because he goes from like Disney's Huckleberry Finn starring Elijah Wood where I have that trailer sort of burned into my skull (laughs) uh, from it playing on the Disney channel to like the mummy then he but he also does Van Helsing in G.I. Joe Rise of Cobra so he has like such a rise and then sort of such a fall but i mean like even following up with the mummy returns he knocks it out of the park but then they don't bring him back for the third mummy which is tomb of the dragon ever which is very disappointing naturally um (laughs) yeah but for like commitment and stuff like that like uh the actor of imitep arnold uh voslo yeah voslo thank you uh he told summers like he would only take the role if he could play completely straight and 100 serious and like that's why his performance is so good like everyone is committed to like whatever they're doing even though it's like he's taking it seriously and that's why his performance is so iconic he can't like let the mask slip at all like he doesn't understand these like little people trying to stop him um yeah let the scarabs get out of his mouth exactly you know (laughs) i really i really respect that stephen summers is an american and makes so much fun of americans in this movie because i was convinced while i was watching it i was like this has to be made by a brit like they hate america so much but i think it's truly hilarious um i i love that sort of element because I mean you see this with things like Indiana Jones and all of these swashbuckling sort of treasure hunting adventures is that like there's no real acknowledgement of like the fact that they're literally tomb raiding and stuff like that and I I think by like including the dumb American characters in this movie it's about like okay we all know that these people are out for glory and not really out for you know historical knowledge or anything like that and that's why I think 
that the super serious Imhotep performance is important because it's like, he's really in the right here. And the same goes for <laughs> my favorite character in the fucking movie, um, Ardeth Bay, right? Yes. My man, uh-huh. my yes. bae, you could say. Yeah. Like, he's so, he should <laughs> he be. He was right. <laughs> like, he's, he has never done anything wrong. He's just trying to keep these people from, like, unlocking a stupid curse. He's right. in All the right. All you have to do is just not open the tomb. It's That's so it. simple. And on top of that, he's sexy as hell and he has tattoos. I yes. Mean, he, oh my gosh. I was sweating. I mean, Oof. We'll, I mean, if we're going to get personal or anything like that, like as you were saying, like this movie for me was definitely one of those awakening movies sort of on all ends where it was like Brendan Fraser and Rachel Weisz in this are like two key moments for like my like sexual awakening yeah. watching this because it's just like, I mean, the whole cast, but like those two specifically where it's like, oh, like these are two very beautiful people sort of starting to realize these things about me. And like, like that would draw the jungle with Brendan Moore, but it's just like everyone in this movie is so beautiful and yeah. it's just, yeah. yeah. Like, and- it's the hottest movie put on celluloid. Like it's hard to <laughs> not say it, but that has be like become a lasting cultural impact or right. as a lot of people are like, well, this was like a big awakening movie for me. Right. This is like what made me discover like my, a, a queer side of me. I um, mean like H the fact that HBO, like the company sort of acknowledged it too. Last like, was, night, right, last night where they timely. were like, if you want to kiss anybody in the movie, like retweet or watch. And it's like, wow, like everyone sort of knows that this is like a touchstone movie for people or just for a movie that is just beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's what I was thinking about with like, this is also something that has kind of gone away is that everyone in this movie is like very sexy, but I wouldn't say that they're like super like movie star attractive traditionally, like necessarily. No, but I mean in a good way. I mean in a good way. And that it's like, you feel like these actors really fit the characters and fit the time period and don't feel like they were plucked from like, you know, the, the best model lineup of 1999 and thrown into this like 30s movie they really seem of the time even yes. though like yeah. Rachel Weiss has some 90s eyebrows going yeah um, I, I mean I, I'm I'm straight but I'm not behind <laughs> right like yeah. I, I, I totally like I get why this is such a, a touchstone for 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 the queer community right because yeah I mean everyone in this movie is just like smoking everyone is just oh, God, you yeah. know at, at their peak here right even even John Hannah is just there's a there's a, yes, there's, a yes. there's a charm to to his like aloofness and and his 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 you know thievery right, but I think for for me this I mean just strictly speaking from like a straight perspective here right like totally, yeah. yeah Rachel Weiss was definitely one of those where like I'm feeling something <laughs> yes. right now and I'm not sure oh my God, what's yeah. going on here because you're watching it when you're like ten or, or eleven uh, and and you know. I, at that point, like, man, I mean, who didn't have, like, wild crushes constantly, but they just didn't really oh my know God, how yeah. to, like, you know, deal with that, right? And right. I think her character in this movie really did a number on me because <laughs> I guess there's just something about, like, the the uh, um, the kind of uh, um, accident-prone nature, but just, you yes. know, determination, you know, behind her yes. that is just, like, so so charming and so delightful um that now like when my wife like you know does something kind of silly where you know she she's like holding her keys and she's like i can't find my keys you know i don't see that as like oh what a what an adorable little trait instead it's just like i love you so much <laughs> oh my god that's adorable yeah, that's so cute that's so, that's wholesome. so wholesome <laughs> so i yeah i mean that's that's the kind of impact it had on me and 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 i guess like like from from the brendan fraser perspective i mean like who wouldn't want to like have brendan fraser 
you know, in this movie, like pick them up and cradle them for oh, oh my god, a couple arms, like a baby, right? Like, yeah, it's it's Oof. it's unbelievable, you know. And and I think seeing my mom's excitement whenever he would pop up in a movie on screen, that's you know, beautiful. Definitely, I mean, she she's the she kind of like jumped up out of her chair, uh, and I remember this distinctively. Whenever we were in the movie theater and the trailer for the Mummy first played, and I remember her getting up just like clutching her heart and, and gasping when he, you know, showed up in the trailer, right? And at that moment, I'm, I knew, like, oh my okay, this, this is doing something to, uh, to my mom that I am right. not completely in control of here. <laughs> that's the power of that, Brendan Fraser. I think that's the whole, that's, like, for me, my experience with this movie, as you were saying, it's, like, the clutching my heart puts, like, everybody. Yes. But that means, just to touch on Rachel Weiss because we need to, I had the exact same experience. And, like, to this day, I texted Brooke about this yesterday, but her opening sequence at the oh, library perfect. is the greatest character it's, introduction of all time yeah uh and oh. that i think has severely influenced my taste in people uh <laughs> whether it's characters that i'm writing or just people that i would like to date or smooch so like watching this i it's just like as you were saying she had such a profound impact on it and probably the same for brendan where it's just like yeah this hero- heroic sort of guess what what he's a nice boy he's Brooke, and he's you ve- know he's very much in your camp nice yes. yeah oh my god he's great he's so hot like he's uh, his his prison fit is awesome he looks like george of the jungle I, when he's yes, in jail which he I, does. Love. I love that he's like a little bit unhinged he's like a little bit of a loose cannon but in the best way i mean there's nothing better than him just being like let's see i know that this is an inanimate object but i think if i fire a gun at it it will go away <laughs> like sandstorm gun scare beetle gun mummies gun, gun. Yeah. Well, he takes out his bag and it's just only guns. <laughs> like, it's incredible. He has one mode, and it's like Shoot. no holds yeah. barred. <laughs> it's the best. Um, and I mean, that, it's weird though that it plays so well in this. If we're just gonna talk, like not political on it, but like I feel like it's sometimes very hard to watch movies where there's a lot of guns and things like that because it can feel like aggressive or overly violent. But in this, it's like a bit that there's. It's just so many guns it's, that it's funny. It's all about the commitment. Yeah. Right. I think it helps that it's like the 30s too and it's like, right. you know, kind of, it's sort of, I feel like playing on the kind of, I don't know, the Teddy Roosevelt style. Like yeah. if you're American and you got a gun, you can take on the world. It's like a little bit... I don't know. Like it, it's it's just it's a little more in it feels universe. Like it feels like an older Hollywood movie, which yes. works. I had a I had a weird connection. I don't know. You won't have the skin of bringing back to rides unintentionally. But on uh, this Disney ride called the Great Movie Ride, which is my favorite ride of oh, all it's, time. It's, uh, it's awesome. I loved it. It's it's so R.I.P. Oh. Yeah. I know it's we truly lost a legend. What did they replace it with? A uh, Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Railway. It's like a sort of. I don't know. I haven't been on it yet. Anyways, okay. <laughs> but on the great movie ride, essentially for you, you go through like his like cinema's greatest movie scenes. So you go through like Casablanca and Mary Poppins, and the final one is like you go into Oz, and it's incredible. But there's this one sequence where it's like a western shootout, and it's just a bunch of guys just popping up and like shooting at times, and that's on the boat. What I felt like this movie was like this movie's just like guys popping up and just shooting a bunch at each other, and like. No one's really dying and everyone's just firing a <laughs> yeah, lot, yes. but it's yeah. so funny. Absolutely. There's a real, yeah, go ahead. No, I mean, the guns are like largely ineffective, like in the movie, right? They, oh, they God, don't really yeah. do anything. It's just like a, a fancy ornament for the most part. Yes. Right. There's a surprisingly high body count in this movie and I don't think any of them die via gunfire. I couldn't believe they were just killing people left and right. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's crazy. I did not expect I did not expect any of those Americans to die. No. I couldn't believe. I mean pretty brutal deaths too. Uh, yes. Obviously they need to turn the ancient Egyptian people into mummies to literally get the premise of this movie. But like right off the bat with that cold open, I was mm-hmm. like, okay, this is really not what I expected. <laughs> Fuck everything to do with scarab beetles. Like absolutely Horrifying. get that shit. Do you away remember from me? So you've been on the ride. Do you remember when the Beatles like get you <laughs> on the ride where they like go on your back and stuff like that. It like feels it. Uh, ah, <laughs> <Brooke>. <laughs> um, Sorry. clearly when the world opens up again, I need We're to go back, right back to universal there. and re-ride the ride with the cinema knowledge that I now have. Cause I feel like being like, Oh, fun. Is, is that, is Great. that like the, uh, the bugs life, uh, show where, where yes. you feel like the bugs crawling underneath you? Yeah. I, yes. I love that, that, that experience, even though you see it coming, it's, it's so yeah, good. It's, it, it, I, I, you just want more of it, you know? Oh my God, yes. I mean, I told Brooke this off mic, but as a diehard Muppets fan, it's very nice that you are also a Muppets mm-hmm. fan because I've been trying to convince her and get on the Muppet train for a long time. We're getting there. You know, it, everyone everyone gets there at their own pace, you know? And, and if you don't exactly. get there, that's yes. fine too. But, you know, it's, it's better well, if you so do. You it's better there. if you do. I don't dislike the Muppets. I, I My uh, Muppets Christmas Carol and Muppets Treasure Island were both like definite touchstones for me oh, growing up, but I haven't seen any of the other Muppets movies because they weren't like educational, you know what mm. I mean? So That's it's why just... when the Muppets Great Gatsby comes out, it'll be a hit. <laughs> One day. But um, to, yes. as you were saying with the intro though, I mean like this movie, if we're going to dive, we can dive into it now. Let's do it. I mean, it starts as you were saying the score just immediately from the beginning gets you into this world and it's just incredible. I don't know the name of the actress or uh, who plays Emma Tepp's like wife. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm blanking uh, right now. It's, uh, but like Patricia Velasquez or something like that. I think if I'm mistaken. Correct. Yeah. Incredible. Right first try. Uh, yeah. They're both beautiful and then there's that sort of scene where they kiss and he like smudges her makeup a little bit on the side and just like everyone's fully committed to this world and you're Mm -hmm. immediately just thrust into it. This is rated PG-13, right? Yes. The the crazy fact that they were able to basically be like, you're not wearing any clothes. We're just going to put like a lot of mascara type paint all over your body and it's going to be fine. And that's like our opening shot. Yep. Mm PG-13. Is the hottest thing you could ever do try to resurrect a lover? Yeah, I mean, this is Romeo and Juliet. Yeah. It's not Imhotep's fault that the people put, like, the worst curse of all time on him. Like, what's the point of killing someone if you ensure that one day, if they ever should get resurrected, they're going to come back as, like, the most powerful, worst person yeah, you could possibly imagine? Like, they kind of did themselves dirty there, you know? You can, you can sympathize with that. You know, he just, he just, you know, he wants to see his girlfriend come back. That's it, you know? Who, right. who amongst us wouldn't, you know, go through all the lengths that he went through, you know? Yes. Oh, my God, if, yeah. <laughs> if I had, you know, the Book of the Dead at my, you know, at, at, my, at my disposal, like, sure, I would, use, I would utilize that, too. But, you know, and I think uh, um, just a side note about Patricia Velasquez, um, I, I didn't realize this for the longest time, but I knew she looked familiar. And I, um, do you guys watch Arrested Development? Yeah. Remember Marta? She's Marta. Oh, yeah. No. yeah. Wow. So, oh look at that. I love people popping up in things yeah. that I didn't realize they were in. I was convinced one of the Americans, like most Texas American, I for for probably like half an hour, Does, I was like, "What happens to him? Which if one? that's not Josh Brolin, <laughs> I'm like, it, that has to be, but it's not. It's some random guy that I've never yeah, heard of, he, but he has like that look. He was made. He's the guy with the hat. Yeah. He makes it to the hotel. Is he eyes guy or no, no, he, no, 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 no? He? He's like the main one. Andrew can probably explain. Yeah, it so he he is made at the Josh Brolin factory for sure. 
Christian. So he's, he's, yes. he's kind of like cast off, right? But uh, he, if I'm not mistaken, um, so he, I think he is the the guy who gets like sucked up and dried, right? Like, uh, yes. His name is Stephen Dunham. Yeah. And Jesus Christ. Christ, he looks exactly like Josh Brolin. Yeah. Like, it's absurd. <laughs> Look, it could be a Brolin brother. We don't know. There's sure. simply no we'll way. We'll have no to investigate. Brendan's introduction, though, sets the temperament for the rest of the movie. Because, I mean, the beginning is very much just like, and then back then. But then Brendan and the guy next to him, Benny, Benny. where he's like, you're with me, right? And then he immediately runs off. And then it's just Brendan sort of fumbling around for like five minutes, just sets the tone for what's to come Mm -hmm. for sort of that like comedy action. And you also then get Benny, who is incredible. Mm -hmm. The worst, the worst person to ever exist. He might give, do you remember on our Love, Simon episode, he might give Martin a run for his money. Wow. I could not wait for this man to die. I I, I always always thought he was hilarious. But I think, I I think it's funny. I mean, just to to go back to what you were saying uh, uh, about the beginning, just kind of like setting the pace right away. Is that that dynamic between the two of them? um, It's just, it's perfect. It's hilarious. You know, you know exactly what this relationship is like right from the start right um and i think that that speaks to the kind of chemistry that that everyone in this movie has with one another um and and in these different situations where they're partnered up with with uh, different characters i mean everyone just works so seamlessly right um and it really does feel like this is a a believable world where these people know each other and um they get along uh or in other cases they hate each other but I think uh, they just pick like the perfect people for these roles. It just worked out so well. Everyone sort of has like moments of team up, as you were saying. So it's like everyone has like their own little two bits together. Like Rachel and Brendan obviously like mm-hmm. dominate it, but like Brendan and Benny have a beat. And you have obviously enemies to lovers with Ardeth Bay and Brendan mm-hmm. Fraser, where they like start out where he like is like, why are you doing this? And then he starts to recognize that he's like a tough one. He could stick around. And then by the end, he's like, you know what? I kind of like you. I think you're a good guy. God bless Stephen Summers for for bringing him back at the final moment there, because I I think originally oh, they were supposed to just kill him off, and he you know never came back. But no. But I mean, he shows up at the end. I think because they realize audiences are gonna love this guy, and we need to bring him back for oh, the God, sequel. Yeah. So it's also he's a great jump scare where they bring him back right. too. Yeah. Oh God, he's oh I love him so much. He is was... he your number one person you would like to smooch? Yes, okay. he is my pick. I would like to smoosh him a lot. I respect that. Um, I think n- not but... too long ago he um because he he has he's still on social media he still like acts and stuff but um he I, th- I forget what it was but he was raising money for a charity and he was doing cameos for a, a minute there and his sort of um, introduction into letting people know that he was available was he was reprising his character of Artith Bay just at home you know in his backyard by his pool. And he was like, you know, in as much costume as he could put together. And there's this scene where, where he's, you know, speaking in Arabic and, you know, he's like, the mummy's back. Oh, my God. And so, you know, I, I love when, when these like character actors so yeah, can go back and, 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 you know, reclaim these moments that, that you really, for us, I, I picture, or for me, at least I picture Ardith Bay exactly as how, he, you know, it, that's not even his real name, but that's how, you know, much this character um just jumps out right i picture him as exactly that character and i forget that he's been another stuff and he is obviously not part of the magi you know <laughs> and so right <laughs> yes Odin like, fair it's like where the they leave an impact name. though it's like i totally agree there's definitely certain character actors where you see them in one thing and like 
they're ingrained in that forever. I think that's adorable though that he's doing cameos. That's fucking yeah. so yeah. cute. That's so great. I, also props to them casting an actual Israeli actor to play an Israeli character. That's exciting. And uh, Arnold Voslo is uh, South African and Patricia Velasquez is uh, Latina, I would assume. Venezuelan. So there you go. I mean, could be worse. It's right. pretty good for 1999. <laughs> it could be worse. I mean, and then it's like you think about, I think Egyptian mythology specifically is like really interesting to look at that with this because you, like, like yes. we talked about earlier, Exodus, Gods and Kings. Of course, we must have Christian Bale and Joel Edgerton leading this movie or um, Egypt. Why don't I? I can't even remember Which what it's one? called. The Gods of Egypt. Gods of Egypt. Literally. With Nicolaj Coaster Waldo. Right. And Brendan Th- Thwaites. Did you Great. ever have uh, <laughs> ridiculous. this book called Egyptology? Yes, Egyptology and Wizardology, Dragonology, Dragonology Spyology. Did you have these, I, Andrew? I did, but I, I gotta get them now. Oh my god. They might god. be slightly after your yeah, time. But they're, um, they were like these young adult books where they had like a jewel on the front mm. of it. And then it was just like an info book on like wizards or like dragons. It was incredible. Were, were they, it's so funny because it was were like... Were they available at the most classic book fair? Yes. Oh, absolutely. No, I, I but I remember, remember renting them from the library like over and over. I just think it's so funny. They should have had like a Greek mythology one, but they didn't. But they were like, as Recology. you know, this is a book about wizards or dragons or Egyptian mythology. Like <laughs> right. Egyptian mythology was a real thing. Um, but no, it's great. And I feel like it was a it was a touchstone for a lot of people like growing up to learn about that kind of stuff. And like I said, that I feel like is a gap that is now missing from blockbusters is like the historical magical stuff um because it's all been sucked up by superhero and superhero adjacent things um i don't remember what episode we talked about it in maybe road to el dorado but how like the closest thing we have to an action adventure genre now is something like jumanji right um the next level or Jumanji welcome to the jungle you got to be welcomed you have to be welcomed, and then you have to take the next level or like we have the Tom Holland Uncharted movie that's coming out whenever I'm very nervous (laughs) eventually but it's like yeah yeah, it's all and I mean the uh, the mummy is technically IP based it's like a universal monsters type thing um but I mean like we said when they tried to reboot this in 2017 they like had franchise fever and we're like well we'll just take all our universal monsters and stick them into one universe and see what happens and like which I mean I don't think it's a bad no, idea. I, yeah, that, that, that's a sad In thing. In theory. That, you know, I, I, I went to go see that movie, uh, and despite how much like I, I hype up 1999's Mummy, like I went to go see that Mummy, you know, with open arms. And I went on my birthday, Same. no less. You know, I, I, on your yeah, birthday. Yeah, I did. Wow. So that's how I spent my, my birthday. You know, it sounds silly, but like thinking about it now, like I would just, I would kill to go see the mummy in theaters at this very moment, you know, but oh my God. I would do oh, anything anyways, yes, to yes. see the worst yeah, movie exactly. ever. Exactly. I don't care what. Uh, but I mean, and, and I, I think, um, I, I, Brooke, I think you were speaking to it earlier was that like they, they, they took, you know, this, this, this story that, you know, in theory should have worked. Right. Uh, but they, sort of like forgot to have fun with it right like this is a very silly concept and and i think the marvel movies are still fun you know to some degree but you know increasingly they're they're becoming um and i don't want to offend anyone here but they're becoming uh, a lot of work 
um, to just invest yes. into. And, and so that does require some sense of like buying into, you know, the story and you have to you know, believe in these things. But for the mummy, um, the 1999 version, they knew how silly and goofy and over the top it was. And in the most recent mummy, um, it's, it's like they tried to remodel that to today's aesthetic and it just didn't quite work, you know? And, and I actually didn't think it was as bad as everyone makes it out to be. It's certainly not, you know, everyone's cup of tea. And it doesn't really hold a candle to, you know, the, the trilogy. But I don't know. I just, I, I miss when movies would just have fun, right? Just like yeah. unabashed fun. Like they just knew that this was a silly concept and they could just run away with how goofy it is. Jordan, like you were saying, you I know, mean, like yeah. a ghost carriage, right? Like when are we going to see a ghost carriage any anytime right. soon, you know? Right. Like when are characters going to be golfing, you know, deep underground and then accidentally knock a sarcophagus down from the ceiling. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, yeah. you when know, will that happen again? On that note, there are some God tier practical effects in this movie. And like, I mean, I would have loved to be on set the day that they were like, okay guys, we're going to knock over 25 bookcases full of <laughs> yeah. books. We have one take. Yeah, exactly. Right. Let's and go. And got it in one take and it's just, it's so perfect. Like I just like imagine it's, it's incredible. Yeah, if that hadn't worked out so well, I, I, I right. would have hated being the guy who had to put everything back in order, you know? <laughs> yeah. Even with that bit, like, we could dig into that because it's just, it goes on just a smidge longer than you think it's going to go on because it sort of does, it does a full 360, but about halfway through because of how similar everything looks, you're like, okay, now it's going to be cut because we're sort of used to when things, like, end. But then it keeps mm-hmm. going and more bookcases fall. So it's just, it's just so perfect it yeah. rocks i mean the the There's 1999 so many bits you cgi is interesting <laughs> the mummy um, itself to say yeah. the least but i mean i feel like but the mummy's face coming out of the desert is yeah. great. That's so That's cool. cool it's cool it, it's so cool that they're like you know what we're gonna do it again in a second one and they had the mummy's face yeah. come out of the, the giant you know waterfall that's coming after them but yep and i mean i think that one of the reasons that this movie is so successful is like we've been saying it has that campy aspect it's able to balance the maybe the rougher stuff like the CGI and like I mean it's not like the mummy in 2017 was at the cutting edge of CGI I feel like a lot of people had negative things to say about like how that movie looked visually but or when he yells yes when the plane's going down yes but, <laughs> uh, but it's able to off the 1999's mummy is able to offset that kind of stuff with like the solid and like incredibly charming performances like think about you have brendan fraser facing down a cgi mummy you're like okay this is a little meh the mummy screams and then brendan fraser just screams right, right back i mean that's a top five moment right yeah. there. It's so good. Yeah. yeah. And it's like, there you go. Now that scene is something delightful and you have a bunch of other stuff to focus on instead of focusing on um, the mummy. I also, the lighting in this movie is really lovely. Oh, it's, I would say sexy. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, I, it's I, yeah, it's, I, 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 it's, it's so it's, like perfectly edited and lit. And, and again, it, it benefits from being in these like actual physical locations and not, you know, um, green screened, right? Um, and I, I, yeah. if I remember correctly, that's something that they really had to fight for because originally they wanted to just, you know, um, try and cut the budget and, and film this somewhere more, you know, cost effective. But they're like, no, we've mm-hmm. got to go to Morocco. We've got to go to these places. We've got to go to London. We have to have these, like, you know, very physical places because uh, it, it creates this world that I think um, is lacking in, in big adventure movies nowadays or the action movies, I should say. Is that all of it feels artificial? right because your eyes mm-hmm. can see that it's not a, a real place right 
But yes. watching this movie, this all feels like, uh, you know, like you could travel to these, you know, places and, and be at that museum or go to this, you know, uh, prison in Morocco, right? Um, yeah, it's just lovely. But I, I, I do agree that uh, the movie is a lot of fun. But if we can't take like just a couple minutes just to, to talk about Brendan Fraser, I know we've talked about him extensively. Please. But no, I think... I would love to. We must. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you. And so I, I, I mean, big fan. I love Brendan Fraser. I mean, he's just sort of been a staple. I mean, I've, I've kind of mentioned how my mom felt about him and how much that <laughs> was brought into our home. And so it was just kind of like I had no choice in the matter. Um, but I think watching interviews because i spent like all of last night just like watching various interviews like with uh with brendan frazier during this time mm-hmm. and since then and there was like a giddiness in this excitement in his performances and like even in his like you know interviews um that really did feel like um he's a professional he loves what he gets to do but more than anything he he was just having a lot of fun with it right and i think his performances mm-hmm. really capture you know his actual um, emotion in in these these films, right? Uh, and, and watching some of the interviews, you know, in that period where he kind of phased out of you know big pictures and stuff, you know, there's there's definitely a lot of like sadness in there because he did go through a lot of you know horrible stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. But the last interview I watched last night, and I think it was it was a good thing to like watch right before I fall asleep. You know, he was at a comic convention sometime last year, and and people were asking him you know about the mummy, and he was just talking about how much fun it was and how excited he was to be a part of it and how you know he's lucky that that's like his lasting legacy and he's just going on and on and at one point he's like am i talking too much and everyone's like no no keep talking about the mummy and so just to see that that he's able to have this you know defining you know role despite everything that he's kind of endured because he really was like a broken man by the time you know oh my god the dragon emperor came out um, yeah. just to see how, how, you know, celebrated these, these performances are, um, you know, it means a lot to me just because again, for some reason I have so much stock that I've bought into the Brendan Fraser, Brendan Fraser, <laughs> um, um yes. uh, 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 brand or whatever. And, um, you know, I'm just happy to see that there is uh, a place for him again. With the Aronofsky announcement, I feel like it's that, you know, that has like, however you feel about the story, it was such an exciting moment to sort of see him start to come back mm-hmm. again. Cause I feel like after the article came out about him and I mean, like it's like known about, you know what I mean? Like how do you want to give a he was backstory? I mean, yeah. Like, yeah so like uh, his like sexual assault by like Philip Burke and uh, sort of all the surgeries that he went through from doing his own stunts. So it's just like, as you were saying, he was such a broken man and you can see it like when he's doing journey to the center of the earth, it's just like, you could see sort of that like joy washed out of him. And like when he disappears from like being, he was like, he's, you know been gone from our screens for so long but like to see him now like in whether doom patrol or like starting to like get his face back in the limelight again feels so nice because i feel like like yourself like i have like i vested so much into him and like who he is and he sort of represents what you sort of want in a movie star where they just sort of love what they're doing and they sort of love just the joy of making movies mm-hmm. um and I think that he, like his comeback now is sort of very exciting because I, I think a lot of people want him to succeed and have been like yearning for sort of the joy that he brought to movies. Right. And so I think, I don't know, I'm interested to see what his career choices are, but it's like whether it was something like this or if he goes more serious, I think 
having him back on our screens will just be very nice uh, because he's just such a good presence. He always understands the type of movie that he's in. I feel like he does have things that he's very good at, but that he does have kind of like a secret, really good range. Oh, I mean, gods and monsters. Yeah, like he he is very talented and I love I think like what you were talking about, Jordan, is just simple, like old fashioned movie star screen presence. Yeah, like you can't help but watch him the second that he's on screen. I mean, he has like those amazing eyes. I love just kind of like his face and the energy that he brings. Um, He's great. And I look forward to seeing whatever he is doing in the future, because I think that he certainly has the capacity to try everything and have anything that he does be interesting. Yeah. Even if it's not like a completely successful across the board, you know that he's going to commit yeah. and that will make it successful in a way. I mean, you could, he knows how to, if we're going to talk about commitment, like acting up like opposite CGI, like him and the Looney Tunes back in action <laughs> is like probably better than space jam. Oh, but it often gets overlooked. Yeah. Right. It gets overlooked, though, but it's like Brendan Fraser is acting circles around Sir Michael Jordan in that. <laughs> and it's just wow. such a funny movie. And it means, like, as you were saying, like, whether it's good or bad, like, he knows what kind of movies. And, yeah. uh, and I just miss uh, that. Yeah. And I think that there, look, there, there's no shortage of, of actors that have been chewed up, you know, in, in, in the industry and kind of spat out when, when audiences and producers and, 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 just the whole industry is just kind of done with them, right? Like, it's really sad. And it, yeah. it unfortunately happens way more often to to women, right? Who who kind of have a peak. And then if you're not the love interest and you're not a mom, you know, then there's there's a big valley in, in what use Hollywood has for you, right? Um, Definitely. And, and I think whenever we see these actors, you know, resurface and, and get a, a bit of the limelight again, it just feels like it feels like a David versus Goliath kind of thing, which just sounds silly because mm-hmm. we're essentially we're rooting for millionaires to make more money. Right. But it, right. it just, it, it helps kind of like feel like there is some power that you have back in, in your hands. Um, you know, when Michael Keaton kind of made, uh, and he's, it feels like he's still currently in that, that Renaissance, right. Where he's, he's come back so too, yeah. um, after kind of disappearing for a while. Like it feels good to see these guys come back because you know, you can't help but but root for for these these performances and for these people. Um, and then when you see them come back, it's just like you know, like yes, you know, <laughs> finally, like uh, someone was able to break through, you know, being shunned and neglected for for years and if not decades, and, and make their way back into uh, um, you know the zeitgeist, right? Yeah, I think we all see sort of some of ourselves in these mm-hmm. people, and that's sort of why we then are so drawn to them as stars. It may sound weird, but it's sort of the Ben Affleck thing for me that I have recently. Where like I was a big Ben Affleck fan, and then you know he like sort of had his whatever late two thousand, but his sort of resurgence that he's kind of gone through now with the whole Dunkin' Donuts thing is like I sort of it's <laughs> as goofy as it is, and as much we like to dunk on, it's like I see myself in like the fumbling with your Dunkin' in like Amazon packages, and so it's like there's a like an earnestness to a celebrity where that you sort of see like the faults and they're that they're they're not so serious and i feel like brendan sort of carried that for his whole perform like for his whole career that he was never like i am the most serious actor i am the greatest actor of our generation or anything like that and like by being sort of so open to his performances and being so open like with audiences and just you know himself i feel like that's what led us in so much so that like him coming back and like 
him reappearing is sort of a reappearance for us. Yeah. That makes sense. I don't know. Andrew, I think you made, it definitely does make sense. Um, And I think that Andrew, you made a good comparison with Michael Keaton because like with both Keaton and Frazier, it's like they were clearly so in the pocket of these big franchises that they were helming and even not even like seemed ahead of their time, but like have held up in a way that a lot of other franchises haven't Mm -hmm. like those Mm -hmm. performances specifically have like really stayed in the cultural zeitgeist as something to like look upon and be like wow this was doing something really cool at the time weird yes (laughs) really weird like batman (laughs) returns is so weird but it's such a good performance (laughs) yes exactly like that and it's like it's sort of like able to maintain a cult following in that way Mm -hmm. and that is what's exciting about seeing these people like come back for round two is that you're like you have always had people in your corner you've always had fans you've had super yaki shop uh (laughs) (laughs) advocating weekly for the mummy um and stuff like that so it's good to know that there's like a built-in fan base that's ready for these people to come back to the screen where do you want him to go where do you sort of see like what do you want his renaissance to be if you could have him have a renaissance honestly i um i i i think i think there's the the time for his like leading man um action roles you know probably aren't there just because you know he's he's a little bit older you know his body's probably not up to it anymore but i always thought that there was just like this depth of sadness in some of his like more serious performances that i think he would just like knock it out of the park in the same way that Mm -hmm. adam sandler does whenever he does you know these these, you know more serious uh, uh films as well um and i think that's how you best utilize Brendan Fraser, right? This is a man who has clearly gone through a lot and experienced a lot in his time. And I could see, you know, the wrestler type performances coming out of him, right? Like um, mm-hmm. the, uh, the, the Mickey Rourke movie, right? And so I, I definitely yeah. think that there, there, there's definitely a, a space for him in movies um, as, as a character actor uh, in these, you know, larger, you know, um, ensemble, you know, performances. Uh, but I think if, if he's going to be sort of like the, the central figure, um, I really wish the people would kind of, you know, capitalize on that. That I mean, sounds cruel, but, you know, to, to capitalize on the man's sadness or anything, but like the way he's able to, to really convey that. Um, and I'd love to see that uh, in the future. Yeah. No, I think that makes sense. He needs his uncut, his uncut gems or his Birdman mm-hmm. or his, what's Ben Affleck's maybe, The Way Back? Is that... Ish. But eh, we're still yeah, waiting I th- on I the think, proper yeah. Ben Affleck. That's, a, that's what I think. Yeah. I think we're still waiting on Ben Affleck's, you know. Um, you know. He needs to be broken a little more, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Behind his eyes is just a sadness now. And as you were saying, like, there is something into that. And I mean, if he doesn't even go that route, I could see him sort of doing, um, like, if he's in, like, a mummy movie, like, he could be sort of, I'm, oh, my God, I'm blank. But the guy... Uh, the colonel in the air force. Uh, oh my god! Oh my fucking king! Uh, All this man wants is to die. What's his, you know, his name? like that's amazing. Uh, Captain Winston Captain, Havelock. Right, Winston. Yeah. Like I feel like he could even fit into a Winston category if he doesn't want to play into the sadness thing, where he's just like, haha, sure. Like let's go fucking fly a plane in the middle of the desert. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a little washed up. Like he could. There's routes he can go. Incredible so two hope- scene performance. We go, oh, we yeah. get I there. Mean, yeah. Oh my god! A masterpiece <laughs> supporting actor. Yeah, yeah. Every, every, uh, every performance in the movie is just like, all right, 
clear the way. I'm going to come in. I'm going to do my thing. It's going to be the most memorable experience of all time. And then I'm out of here. It's two days. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Just what you want in a good supporting actor. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. We talked about this last week on Dog Day Afternoon yeah. and like how much supporting actors have to carry movies and you don't even understand what you have until it's gone. Um, and yes, that this is this is a great movie filled with little one-offs. Even the group of Americans all get their little yeah. moments and they are like integral and they're so much fun to watch um, that you like can't wait for them to get picked off one by one because you're like, okay, but like they're so much fun. Like I want to see them play this um it's really it's really great and we're talking about the fun but i think we should dig in for a second about the horror because i feel like this movie does obviously it's based on like the 1932 horror film but like there are very not super scary but there is like an underlying horror to this movie and it's like can get a little grotesque at times i mean like the eyes as we were saying i mean just the skeleton jump scares that they have the scarabs are scarab b uh you know like it's kind of spooky. I like the body horror element of it. The scene, I don't remember the character's name, but the guy that gets the scarab straight to the brain. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, I absolutely like was looking away from my screen during that. I like could not handle it. Or when the I, scarab goes into his yeah, arm that, and they literally cut it out. Like yeah. that's like body horror. Yeah. And I mean, all the mummification stuff in the cold oh, open yeah, is sure. really mm-hmm. horrifying too. Yeah. yeah. I, one of my favorite scenes is... Um, wh- and when they're kind of uh, explaining the whole curse and everything and during that torture chamber scene there's that like wide view of all these people getting mummified and there's different things going on i always want to pause the movie there and just kind of like scan the room and see what's going on because there's so much happening in that one moment that you know if we focus on any one thing it would probably you know boost the movie into rated r right but the fact that it yeah. all happens and you can't really tell what's going on is was at least to me as a kid was always you know this really intriguing part but i think the, the mummy like for me personally i never saw it as as scary right um i knew that there was like horror elements to it but i also was raised by a, a mother who you know allowed us to watch like whatever we wanted to so long as there wasn't any nudity in it you know because she's a catholic <laughs> mom uh and so we, we watched, relatable. you know, like really scary movies, you know, as kids. And so, but I think this is a great, like, introductory to horror for, you know, maybe younger Definitely. audiences or people who are a little bit more uh, um, sheepish, you know, with, with horror. Um, and I think it works because it's it's balanced so well with all these other elements, right? And and uh, on the whole, it is an adventure movie. But yes, like, there are undertones of like romance and horror and action. And um, yeah, it's just like a perfect blend of all, all of those Totally it's a distillation agree. of genre in the best of ways. Yes. Yeah. This I mean, this is a movie full of a lot of bits. I, that was what I was going to say. This it's hard to go almost like plot wise because it's like there's a lot of business that happens, but like there's so many good bits. Well, the why cats. don't why don't we rattle off some of our faves? Hi, it's Brooke and Jordan from the future. We were editing this episode and realized that we were so caught up in the conversation we forgot to mention some incredible bits. So here are a few of them. Hey, Benny, it looks to me like you're on the wrong side of the river. I'm just gonna light this map on Artith-based face and then give him a little smooch. Rachel Vice pulling Brendan Fraser out of danger from those gunshots on the boat. Super hot. Have they unleashed every single plague? All 10 All of them. All 10 of them? And just remember, you've always got to gamble with your life, but never your money. Jordan, Dude, you want I mean, to lead us off? I love the cat. Anything with the cat I love. When he, uh, Imhotep is terrified of the cat is great. Uh, and then I just love Rachel Weiss, like pretty much everything that she does. Like what's a place like this doing in a woman like me, like their entire drunk sequence oh, that yeah. she has where she's 
trying I'm to pretend that she's librarian. not drunk. But so right. Yeah. So cute. Oh. <laughs> I mean, her every the like her accent is just incredible. Her saying "flim flam," I said to Brooke, is like my favorite line delivery of all time. I don't know that that's just her yes. existence. The cat, yeah. How are you? What are no, your? No, Andrew, give me some. Yeah. So I I think um, uh, Kevin J O'Connor is uh, as Benny is just a scene stealer, and every every. I don't, I don't know about every movie he's in because I've only seen a handful, but at, at least in the stuff that he's done with like uh, Stephen Summers, um, it's it's always just been these memorable little parts um, that don't get... I mean, no one's going to see these movies because they're big Kevin J. O'Connor fans, right? Like, So he's sort of like this yes. workhorse you know, character actor who knows exactly what he's doing and he does it well. And, and um, yeah, all of his like lines are just the best. But I think uh, my favorite is when he's holding up different um, necklaces with different religious... I- cons on them uh and he's yep. trying to just like get his way out of you know getting you know eaten live by this you know thousand year old mummy right um but i that that's that's definitely the little bit that that has always stuck with me it's very yeah. funny yeah i mean i feel like every line reading that brendan fraser delivers is basically the best line reading that i've ever heard um i think my personal favorite is he just doesn't know anything about egyptology yes. or mummies yeah. so when uh you know when evie and jonathan are explaining to him what actually happens he goes if i die don't put me down for mummification <laughs> like it's such a line that could be like a quick throwaway or like oh ha 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 he's playing it way too straight or too on the nose i don't no, that's just like Brendan Fraser magic right there. I thought that that line was so funny and it really shouldn't be. Um, I'm also a big fan of during, you know, the third act climax. I mean, Rachel Weisz gets damsel into distressed like pretty hard, um, but it's fine. I love when she's trying to escape and hears, a, you know, a smattering of distant gunfire and is like, oh, that must be O'Connell because as we know, <laughs> where yeah. Rick, there's Rick, there's a O'Connell. lot of gunfire. Yes, <laughs> I love when she uh, is like, "If I become a mummy, you're the first that I'm going after." To Brendan, mm-hmm. like that's so fun. That's so cute. There's just there's so much good stuff. I love the two of them. Yeah. <sighs> Perfect movie. Masterpiece movie. 10 out of 10. Well, I just wanted to say before we wrap things up, I think we should do like a quick little QQ corner. Yes. Um, This episode, as we knew, was going to be a little bit lighter on the QQ front. As I mentioned before, um, have literally done Home Alone. We've already hit rock bottom. Nothing will ever be as sweaty as that episode. I don't know, but... I think that's a pretty pretty clear cut episode. Masterpiece episode. Yeah, yeah. Um but I think that there is like a lot that we can say about like the lasting cultural impact of this movie, yep. how much it was influenced by camp, how much it has sort of been like reclaimed as a queer classic the way that like random movies get reclaimed as yes. queer classics yeah. and sort of the sensibilities there. I think it has a lot to do with the clearly like very healthy relationship between um, you know, Evie and Rick and sort of everything fun that goes into that. It's like a little enemies to lovers. Mm-hmm. But it's like, it's very sexy in like a very authentic way. I mean, when they first kiss, it's like, obviously like Brendan is being a little of a scumbag, you know, scumbum to it. Yeah. But like, then she's like, it wasn't that good of a kiss. Like, stop thinking about it. Like, it wasn't a great kiss. It's so fun. Like, it, it shouldn't, it's definitely like a shouldn't work, but it does work. And right. like, that's the magic of it. Um, I also, I mean, we barely even touched on uh, the character of Jonathan, Evie's mm. brother, played by the great John Hanna. Right. But like, I think there's definitely, he is sort of like could playing second fiddle the way that like, 
these sidekicks often do. And I think it's a smart decision to make him Evie's brother. So there's not any sort of like weird love triangle action. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean like, you know how in national treasure you have Riley who is like always He's playing very much like fiddle. prototype yeah. Riley. Yes. Yes. Sure. yes. Yeah. And I think like those characters can like skew a little more queer, especially in a movie like this where it's like, he's kind of like a high class English dandy gentleman, a right. um, right. bit of an alcoholic. You, you can code him if you want. Right. Um, anyway, what, how do you, how do you feel yeah, about I mean, this? I, I feel like you said some of it, but it's like it definitely for me, I, I mean, like I know a lot of bi people or queer people who have sort of had this as their touchstone, like awakening movie which I think also comes into the fact as we talk about where this is like such a big four quadrant movie. And when a movie like this is being seen by so many people and it's at a certain time that it's going to sort of hit that for a lot of people where a lot of people are going to start to realize like whether straight or not or queer or not, you know what I mean? Like it's a lot of beautiful people in a movie and you're going to like start to feel things as you were saying, like the reclamation of this movie to the queer community, whether it's not just for that, but it's like also like everyone can kind of enjoy, but it's also sort of like one of those like, touchstones like within like if you were making like your thanos glove like this would be like one of them you know what i mean i always think Um, it's interesting to look at like what movies and shows have been sort of like reclaimed in that queer way even if they're like very textually mm -hmm. not queer and i don't think it's even about like it's you know writing out or talking out a whole thesis statement for everyone and like this is why we think it resonates with this community i just think it's a fun sort of like subset to look at and something that is usually on the whole like these very very just purely enjoyable movies i think it's the thing too is like being able just to experience fun in it because i feel like as we will talk about but like a lot of movies that are just about like the queer experience are very like dour and sad <laughs> very depressing. and so yes. like when you have something that's very fun it's just like you want to have that which is like beautiful mm-hmm. um but it's also as the thing is like Rachel Vice has also like been very much recently. Oh my God. Become yeah. like sort of a <laughs> queer icon for whether it's like disobedience or the favorite or just like whatever she's in. Like she's very much like one of those like straight queer like icons, you know, like yes. in the Christine Baranski sort of sphere. Mm-hmm. Uh, she started the gay rights right. meme. Like right. she is the catalyst for the ask your favorite celebrity to yell gay rights at the camera. And she was so into it. Um, I love that for her. It's, it's great. And I mean, there's that, you know, there's the Catherine Hahn meme of Catherine just like staring at her during that Oscars <laughs> yeah. round table I mean, discussion. Yeah. Like not wrong. Mood. It's sort of, you know how if you look at every photo of Kate Blanchett on a red carpet, there's usually some other actress that's staring at her adoringly i feel like rachel vice is in the exact same camp where you could you look at all these promotional pictures and there's usually whether it's rachel mcadams or emma stone just off camera with like giant heart eyes for her and i mean you know they're doing the lord's work because everyone else feels like that too right i cannot the diso the back-to-back disobedience the favorite mm like year on Twitter. And I feel like my cousin Rachel was right in the middle of that too. Everyone was like, I do in fact want Rachel Weiss to spit in my mouth. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like not unironically. Um, and you but know yeah. what? That's great. <laughs> and I think that's, that's, that's the thing is like, she has that moment and that I think, I mean, b- maybe it was like the mummy game crashed before, but I feel like, I don't know, within the past three to five years is when this movie has really skyrocketed in like online specifically the online like, right like i've whether it's personal or not like this movie's always been close like i would 
weirdly go back to watch this and the third one a lot more than the second for some reason just i guess on time wise um maybe i was a little too scared of dwayne the rock johnson at the time i was time. gonna say uh the scorpion king my boy the rock <laughs> did you ever watch the scorpion king prequel oh, movie uh, oh wait uh the one with with the dwayne one johnson? that's yeah yeah i, I saw yeah, yeah, i yeah. also saw that one in the theaters and i enjoyed the hell of it I, again like hey. <laughs> anything related to this this universe I, I signed up for i didn't watch any of the like subsequent like you know sequels made after that that kind of went direct the video but uh again i'm on the record as saying scorpion king good yeah i'm yes oh, yeah. it's very like refreshing to like have people especially online championing these kinds of movies without like the i don't know without the need to like vehemently defend the actual like quote-unquote objective quality it's like we were saying at the beginning enjoyment of movies is like a weirdly radical take that you can enjoy a movie and like that is and be comfortable enjoying it yeah and like that is like a good experience to have and that is like what you should be getting out of every movie regardless of what other people or the critical community think of it um and Andrew that is why like the corner of the internet that you run more or less um is one of my favorite corner nets of the internet to be in i appreciate that guys i think we what we do is we try really hard to um to make ourselves a a force for good right uh we want to be um respectful we want to be uh encouraging of of you know diverse you know opinions but we just want people to to watch more movies you know and have fun doing it I, i think the mummy for me was one of those movies where um like I mentioned earlier, I, I sort of kind of hid my affinity for it just because it didn't really fall into the, you know, the prototypical, you know, great movies, right? Um, but there's also this, like, other period where you kind of, um, you, you start embracing these movies, but there's always with this giant, like, guilty pleasure hanging over it. And I think my f- main focus behind what we do and, and, and how we talk about movies is just to remove that guilty part about it right because i don't think we should feel guilty for enjoying some of these things right if it's coming from a oh, from God, an no. earnest and an honest place um who's to say that your enjoyment of um i don't know scooby-doo 2 is is wrong or you should feel guilty for the monsters right? were unleashed exactly right <laughs> when they're unleashed what are you supposed to do you're gonna have to watch it right um of course and i think that also that like that rules. just going back to yes. what you guys were talking about a second ago too was um uh these movies come out and and even though it was it was this straight white man who made this movie and it was predominantly like straight white guys who were probably involved you know during the production now that it's out there for audiences like we're able to kind of reclaim these movies and say this is for me and this is what i see in it this is what i get out of it um i can guarantee you when they made this movie not a single person involved in production was thinking how can we market this to you know um mexican immigrant mothers in their 30s right and yet like this <laughs> yeah. was like the pinnacle of movie making for my mom right which is why it it was such a huge you know part of, of our childhood right and so mm. i think um audiences you know should embrace that that kind of um enthusiasm and i don't want to say power because that sounds kind of you know toxic but just that that devotion that we have for for these things and and define them uh however we want to and and i'm glad that that we can you know try and and be a part of that 
yeah and that movies can take on a life of their own and that we can keep celebrating them um in a lot of different ways I, um, i'm just not going to be over the fact that your mom was such a big Brendan Fraser oh, fan. Oh, like, we I, fucking yeah. stand. <laughs> that is like the, the sweetest, most exciting thing like ever. Like I love that so much. It's really that fun. Is, it's so wholesome that you, I, I feel like growing up, it could have been so easy for you to sort of reject Brendan and sort of reject an affinity for it, but to then continue on and to still like these things, I think is really nice because yeah. I feel like as a teenagers, a lot of the time I know for me, like that has been my growth was like rejecting all like my parents things that they liked. And now of course, like I'm obsessed with like these movies that I saw when I was a kid and I was like, Oh, these are bad, but they're secretly masterpieces <laughs> or whatever. But yeah. Your February collection yeah. on Super Yaki. I have heard a rumor that it might be Brendan Fraser themed. Yeah. By the time this comes out, it will definitely be announced and we will be in the process of rolling everything out. Um, I don't know exactly when the official release date of everything's going to be, but we are, um, as we are recording this right now, we are in the midst of putting the final touches on our Brendan Fraser Fest, which is going to be all of February. We're just going to have nothing but Brendan Fraser themed merchandise. And um, oh my god, that's so exciting! I, I don't know. I'm excited. I I I I think we're putting so much into this. It's ridiculous. Like this is probably going to be the biggest collection <laughs> that we've ever released, and we're. Let's go. We're really oh investing God. a lot into just <laughs> one guy's career who peaked in like the late 90s, you know, um, arguably. Um, but we're hoping that there's an audience for it and that they are happy to support, you know, our, our, our little, you know, dumb shop uh, by, by buying some of this stuff made in, in you know, in a very uh, sincere and earnest, you know, um, commemoration of, of, his, of his work. Um, yeah, we're, we're doing... Um, the Mummy, obviously, Airheads, uh, Monkey Bone, Blast from the Past, um, and Sino Man. I think we're, we're, we're going to touch on all like the really big stuff, uh, and we're working with some really great artists that we've never worked with before. We've worked, uh, we're working with other artists that we have worked with before, and we're just kind of, yeah, we're excited. We're rolling out all this stuff sometime in February, um, and I hope that people enjoy it, and I hope that, um, you know, that, that there's a market for it, because otherwise, hey, if this is how we go down, hey... That's fine. Yeah. What a way to go. You're going to swing a big (laughs) sword. I mean, you have one, at least. (laughs) Two. Two. So, hey. Perfect. Okay. Well. There we go. uh, Yeah. So, I mean, like I said, if we go bankrupt at the end of this month because we went all in on Brendan Fraser, then that's exactly how this business was going to go under. You know? There's there's no other way I would have written it. There's no other actor it should be going under for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. I can't wait to see it. And by the time people are listening to this, they will be able to um, check it out. Speaking of Brendan Fraser and his filmography, I have a little quiz for you two because I knew this by heart mostly. Um, We're going to go back and forth between the two of you and we're going to see if you can guess Brendan's top five grossing films of all time. Top five grossing films. I'm going to say maybe like seven or eight. Grossing films. Can you I'll pick a 10. number? I'll do 10. Okay. I'm just kidding. We'll, yeah, we'll do 10. We'll do 10. Top 10 grossing films. Let's say three strikes, you're out. If you if one of those is not in there, then it counts as like an X. Okay, but it's three strikes individually. Three strikes okay. individually. So really, yes. Andrew, we have six right. strikes. So and this six is, strikes yeah, collectively. We can yes, we did a... We did a similar game on our Great Gatsby episode. So if we guess anything that's in the top 10, that like counts it's as a, a point. Hit. Yes. All right. So, Andrew, you're our guest. We'll start with you. Do you have a guess for one of Brendan Fraser's top 10 grossing movies? Oh, yeah. Movies? I'm, well, we're talking about it. Let's go with The Mummy. Ding. Correct. Brooke. 
Uh, what number was it? Can you tell us? No, I'll tell after. Okay. Um, Encino Man. No. Oh, no. Okay. X for Brooke. Back to Back Andrew. To Andrew. Uh, Mummy Returns. Ding. The Mummy 3, Tomb of the Dragon Emperor. Ding. Okay, so we've, great. We've got the mummies out of the way now. It gets a little harder. Yes, you do. Okay. Um, Journey to the Center of the Earth. Ding. Brooke. Uh, let's see. Mm, Looney Tunes back in action? Unfortunately. Yeah. Oh, unfortunately. It should be. Okay. It, should be. <laughs> it should be. It should be. It should be his highest grossing. I'm just kidding. Maybe not, but Masterpiece movie. Back to you. Um, let's see. Hmm. Inkheart? Just outside. Oh, that is an X. Okay. I'm so sorry. Okay. Brooke, back to you. Oh, Can you not swing man. and miss on your final? Uh, Blast from the Past? Oh, no. Brooke Solomon, oh, you God. have been eliminated. <laughs> I am so sorry. Oh, shit. Okay. Andrew, okay. can you guess? It's all on you. Well, I mean, you've already won, but do you have another guess? Uh, yeah. So I- I'm just pulling up IMDb. I'm not looking at grosses. I just want to make sure oh, I yeah. don't forget anything here. Um, oh, I have his filmography in front of me You guys well, are without You guys grosses. are missing out on arguably my favorite performance. Oh, God damn it. I, are, I know what it is, uh, but I've been eliminated. Okay, so see, um, we'll have to just sit here and steam in silence <laughs> uh george of the jungle ding yes. yes do you want to see if you can get the rest you got three more <laughs> wow i did so okay bad. uh scrolling through let me see what else uh could possibly be in there see because i know he would he did like small roles in some of these bigger movies too some of those are on here yes oh got it uh is it gi joe ding yes his uncredited cameo yeah. yes as gung-ho <laughs> <laughs> oh yikes <laughs> uh and you got two more can you get them i have two more yep okay well crash yep and then the last one i think you can get it i'd just like to say for the record i'm not a big fan of crash I, no, is uh, anybody is anybody <laughs> okay just i can't sure. believe that made his top 10 i know i always forget that that movie was like very popular um unfortunately is it the gods and monsters it's not unfortunately oh, okay. no right. All right, so the list is okay. The Mummy Returns, his number one, mm-hmm. The Mummy, Mummy Tomb of the Dragon Emperor, G.I. Joe, Journey to the Center of the Earth, George of the Jungle. Wow. A masterpiece. Mm-hmm. His best performance. Uh, the Nut Job, Crash, Bedazzled, Escape from Planet Earth. Yeah. The Bedazzled. Nut Job. But then like, Looney Tunes, really low on there, which is really unfortunate. Then Encino Man. Okay. Yeah, well, got he, you. he definitely had a. Uh, you know, say, you can say whatever you want about the final quality of these movies, but he picked some real like weird roles. Oh you know, my especially god! Especially yeah. at his like peak too. If you're coming off of the mummy, it's and so bizarre. Yeah, it's. But I love that. I mean, I love that that he just went for it. Right? Who comes off of like one of the highest grossing movies in 1999 and says like, "Yeah, I'm gonna do Looney Tunes and Monkey Bone." Like, sure, right. why not? Sure, <laughs> sounds. Good. I mean, the fact that his 99 was also Dudley Do Right and the Mummy. But, yeah, crazy. Oh my god. And I mean, like, Dudley do write a classic ride as well. But, like, that movie, I don't know. It's not the best, but he's at least going for it, you know? Yeah. That's the one where he's a Mountie, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. yeah. Based off an old cartoon. Sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Wild. Anyways, um, that was the game. Wow. Brooke, 
It's okay. Thank you. You, thank gave, you. A, you gave a stunning performance I out there. I don't know if I did, but... You were, did really good on the pitch. Thanks yeah. so much. Um, you know what? That's okay. Let's just move past it. I'll give it right back to you. Do you want to guess the letterbox rating? Would love to. Of this film. Uh, I know the arc because I watched this movie last year, so I remember logging the movie. And the arc, instead of going upwards, it looks downwards. Uh, and I was really heartbroken by it. But I'm going to guess a... Three, two. You are so close. It's a three, three. I'm happy with Look that. Look at that. Better than thought. Pretty on the money. And that, um, that's, it, so I'm new to Letterboxd. That's like five, yes. right? Out of five? It's out of, out five, of five, yes. Okay. That is criminally low. I know. You, a you're, lot you're telling of people. Me. I have it as a five. A lot so. of people three, give this three okay. stars. But also a lot of people have seen this movie. 246,000 people yeah. have logged this movie on Letterboxd. That's so exciting. And only more after this episode. Yes. Let's, yeah, absolutely. I mean, let's let's use the power and influence at our disposal. And let's let's make a call to arms. Let's bring that up oh to my a, God. a solid yes. five, right? This is yes. a challenge yes. that we have ahead of us. We need I think to we could, raise the rating to a five. Nothing I think we, could get, we get that higher rated than Par- Parasite. I was going to say the goal is to get the mummy to, I think like if we got it to a four seven, it would surpass Parasite as the, the highest, highest rated, rated letterbox okay. movie. I think we so, could do that. IMDb yeah. top 50 year over. We like, just start getting our emails out. We'll send letters. Yeah. I'll sure. petition. It's, it's fine. It's all about this letterbox campaign. This is your representatives. Right, right. The, I mean, if we can swing Georgia, we can swing the mummy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> if we can swing, what the heck is this city called? Um, Hamanatra. Yeah. Right? There you go. Hamanatra. Uh, Look at that. Anyways. Um, this is actually a proper clean segue um, because talking about five-star ratings, let's go around um, and talk about how we feel about this movie. Five. Um, yeah. Go for it. Uh, five. Personally. Stars personally. On the Queer Quadrant. Probably not five. I'm probably going to give it a two. I'll give it a two five. I think as because the thing is like, it was such a, like a touchstone movie for me personally coming out and being comfortable with myself and like my interest in people uh, and sexuality. So I think that that's important. And sort of, as we've said, like this has become like a sort of cult movie for a lot of people to draw into. We've kind of touched upon the major stuff, but yeah, five, two, five. That's it. I me. dig um andrew personally oh, wow no. okay i was gonna end with you go around like a little circle no we should definitely end with andrew because andrew has like the pure love for this Fine. movie mm. i mean not Rook. that i don't love it yeah okay so personally um i give this movie four stars plus a little heart okay i liked it it was a fun time i seriously had a lovely time watching this movie um and it was just pure escapist fun and i dug it and like i said everyone is really committing so hard and that makes me happy i like seeing that in films um on the queer quadrant i give this one and a half stars. is that higher than home alone yes right <laughs> you gave home alone <laughs> half a star everyone is beautiful in this movie it's yes. the most beautiful movie ever made i'm um, very very bisexual energy in terms of like all the hot people and not being able to pick i get it that is definitely like uh a star for that and half a star for how like well this film has been reclaimed in the cultural zeitgeist as like you know in the zone of queer camp classics um we love to see it andrew you can give a queer quadrant rating if you want but more importantly i want to hear personally how you feel well, about this. i mean uh, even if i wanted to i don't think i could give it anything less than a five just because of you know what what it represents to me, right? What, what it, what right. it, how, how much it means to me. It's one of those movies that just isn't just a movie for me. It's this yeah. sort of like mile marker in my life that just keeps popping up, right? Through several different points, right? 
Um, so, I mean, yeah, I, I hope I've done a good job of, of, of uh, um, presenting why it's such a, you know, a, a great movie in my eyes and why I enjoy it so much. Um, I think um, people really tend to get caught up uh, evaluating movies, you know, in the same um, context um, as everything else, right? And I don't think it's that... Um, I don't think it's that binary. I think, you know, depending on what you're watching and the mood you're in and what you're trying to get out of it, you should really redefine how to measure the success of that movie or the failure. And I think that if you hold this up to very standard um, uh, metrics, maybe it doesn't hold up as well. But I think for escapist, you know, adventure, lighthearted, fun, I don't think you can get any better than this, honestly. I mean, it, it belongs in that larger conversation with movies like... And this is totally my opinion, but like, you know, Star Wars and Indiana Jones and like these really big epic adventures that, that are just, you know, that are meant to be seen on big screens in a big mm-hmm. auditorium. Again, big popcorn, big soda. It's, it's just a big, big, big movie. Uh, and that's, I think, the way that should it, be. it should be seen. Um, and again, even if, if I wanted to give anything less than that, I can't just because I know my mom would probably kill me. <laughs> so if you i mean like when cinemas reopen like they should have a mummy screening in imax they or should something. yeah it seems like a slam dunk mm-hmm. 25 year anniversary maybe right, right. Yeah. absolutely since we have you here and you talk about big popcorn big soda are you getting a big candy and if so what kind of candy are you getting i uh, think this is important well i i gotta i gotta stick with my tribe i gotta go with the swedish fish a big swedish big wow. box of swedish fish you know i'm sorry um I respect that. I uh, I'm a big fan. The heart wants what it wants, and apparently, I want old man candy, right? I, I love Swedish. Look, fish. We love Swedish fish. I used to. I, there was a period of time, I think, when I was like 12 or 13, where I was like Swedish fish or nothing. Like, if you don't have Swedish fish, get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> um, so I understand the appeal. I think they're a great candy. <laughs> it was that weird that where you broke down my door when I didn't have Swedish fish that one time. It was a little bizarre. I don't know. I really. I feel like gummy candy feels very forbidden to me because I never like really had it growing up, unless like I was sneaking it at a friend's house mm. or something. So and I feel like Swedish fish is a great distillation of that. Anyway, um, this has been The Mummy. It has we been were, a great time. Did you say we were mummified? Yeah, I'd say that. Okay, so there's, we actually didn't get into this. There is obviously the titular mummy. Yes. But there's more mummies in this movie. Yes. So maybe it should have been The Mummies. I, but, mm-hmm. It is mm-hmm. about The Mummy. It is about The Mummy. Question number two, for the sequel, why was it not The Mummies? There's the, more mummies. Yes, the mummies. Yes. I feel like Alien Aliens is truly the only franchise to ever that. could do, do that. it and yes. do, do it well. And it's only because James Cameron has like the biggest dick energy of all time. Could it be like Frankenstein's? <laughs> it's just The Wolfmen's? Like, oh, God. The <laughs> Dracula's? <laughs> I, I'd love to see this universe. I mean, yes. right? Just multiply, right? I like, would love that. You thought one Frankenstein was bad. Just wait till you just you wait. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they do. There's like greater variety of mummies in the second one, right? Yeah. Plus, there's, there's, you, you yeah. got a scorpion king. Yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. the mummy's just kind of a catch-all. You know, it's like, hey, there is more mummies, but you get the gist. Right. Yes, exactly. And there's also ghosts, but yes, <laughs> it is what it is. Anyways, you were saying. Anyway, um, so before we wrap up, Andrew, um, you know, we've talked a lot about the upcoming Brendan Fraser drop. We have, uh, you know, said our piece about how wonderful we think your shop is. Where can people 
find you um, in general on your social yeah, media? Thank you. Uh, so we're at superyaki.com. Uh, it's Y-A-K-I. Uh, and we just sell a bunch of goofy merchandise for movies that we love. And we hope that there's something in there that you enjoy because um, I'm sure I made a big deal about this in the past if you follow us on any social media channels. But this is the first year that, uh, well, I'm sorry, last year, 2020, I forget where we are was the first year that um, I quit my job to take this full time. And so now more than ever, I'd like to um, be able to afford groceries and bills. And so that's only made possible uh, through your kind and generous support of our store. So thank you. Yeah, I think that's a pretty good motivator. Um, And this episode is technically not sponsored, but we are very honored to have you as a sponsor of the show. And you can use code SuperQQ for 10% off, or you can use whatever code you want. But I mean, I just personally think that maybe you should use that code. Just saying. I agree. Um, I agree. Yes. And uh, Twitter or Instagram. Yeah, uh, that good stuff. We are at Super Yaki Shop because the people who own at Super Yaki are weird Russian bots, and I can't get rid of them. So, oh my god, <laughs> really? Yeah, until until we can reclaim that or claim that that handle, it's just Super Yaki Shop. So, yeah, you can find us there. Instagram, Beautiful. Twitter, it's great. Highly recommend to follow. Um, one of my favorite things to see in my dash, and I'm like not even kidding. It's just very fun, like a little ray of sunshine every time you guys pop up. Um, in terms of us, we are mostly on Twitter as well. I'm at Brooke B. Solomon. I had Jordan H. Gus. And we are together at Queer Quadrant. You can find this podcast on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Rate, review, subscribe, tweet at us, tweet at Andrew and the Super Yaki team, and tell us about your love for the mummy and your love for Brendan Fraser, okay? it's Rank who you want to smooch the most. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Talk about your favorite bits. Talk about the practical effects. There is a wealth of information to love in this movie. Talk about the ride. Tweet ride things at me. Tweet ride things at Jordan because I I don't want them. All I want is to talk theme parks. (laughs) That's all I want. Um, So there you go. You have your marching orders. um, And we hope to see you on the socials. Um, So, you know, we're flying out of the desert. Yes. We flew in. Now we're flying out. Okay. I just have a cool question for you. Uh-huh. What are we dipping our toes in next week? Okay. That was <laughs> a horrible tracking metaphor, okay. and I'm not going to let you get away with We're it. We're breaking out of our sarcophagus. Someone has used an ancient spell on us, and we've awoken from the dead. What are we covering next week when we first awake? We are covering a movie that I care a lot about. Um and that neither of us have seen. So next week no, we. What, what do you care a lot about? Um, it's this this new movie that oh. is coming out. So to, next week is going to be um a little bit of a special episode. We are releasing on a Sunday instead of our usual Friday. Um, because we are going to cover the new Netflix movie I Care a Lot, starring Rosamund Pike. That how much do you care? I care a lot. Okay. You realize this is just going to be the entire episode. I'm a Rosamund Pike stan, and I care a lot about seeing her on my screen again, even if it's. I cal? via Netflix. I cal is, is it, the abbreviation. Is it on their calendars? It's on I'm my sorry. calendar. I'm sorry. Anyway, um, so tune in for that. It's going to be a new movie and um, should be a good time, or maybe it will be a bad time. I don't know. We're kind of rolling the dice on this one, but what's life without a little risk? You know, right. what's life without a little adventure? So um, tune in next week uh, for that. Cool. cool. Andrew, thank you so much for being here. How, thank you guys you so much it? for having me. It was a lot of fun. And uh, I'll see you guys next year when we do Mummy Returns. 
Hell yeah, yes. absolutely. So I, I, one of my favorite Brendan Fraser quotes um, really encapsulates um, who he was at this point in his career. And he said, forget acting, it's rock and roll. Fuck wow, yeah. That's oh, beautiful. God. See, that's a way to end the episode. It, that's perfect. Incredible. Brendan Fraser for life. Love.